All right. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, welcome back to another edition of The Breakdown. Had a couple days off with travel for work this week, but had to come back with a bang in two ways. Number one, we got 11 games today, so a ton to get through. And number two, Sam's back with me from the source, uh, which is always a ton of fun. How you doing today, Sam? I am doing very well. Um, I'm very happy to be back here, as always. Uh, got a little bit of a late start of the slate. Um which is why we didn't start our designated 12:30 that's on me um but we still got until i think seven o'clock till the game starts so i'm sure there's a lot of guys to be ruled out and screw us over in the meantime yeah yeah absolutely i thought you were gonna say it's gonna take us till seven o'clock to talk it to also the might games, take but... us until seven o'clock i'm not <laughs> denying that by any yeah <laughs> i know it is every day i'm watching on twitter the news come through on different people while we're like getting ready to do this so Anyway, we'll give it our best shot, and uh, as always with the NBA, you got to pivot as as news comes in. So absolutely. Um, all right. Well, we got a bunch, so we're going to jump into it here. First up, we got the Hawks on a back to back going to the Magic. Atlanta minus six, two twenty nine and a half. What do you got here, man? Yeah, this is one of those games that I was telling you about beforehand uh, that I'm very okay with staying away from. I, I do have some numbers in front of me. Uh, six of Orlando's last eight games, they've lost by double digits. Uh, or the six of the eight games that they've lost in their last uh, eight losses have been by double digits. Sorry, that was a little bit of a mouthful. Atlanta's had offensive struggles lately, but they were all against top five defenses. They just put up yeah. 124 on the Cavs defense last night, which is number four since uh, January 1st. Uh, but in eight games on three game and four days stretches on the back end of a back-to-back, Atlanta's only won two, so that's very concerning. Uh, they're also very bad at rebounding on no days of rest. They give up. This is Atlanta. Uh, they give up 41% shooting from three-point range on no rest, which is worse than the league, and they force the second-least turnovers. I'm also having concerns about them resting guys like Trey Young um, and John Collins, who is dealing with an injury, so he's questionable. Trey Young's not questionable yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, on the back end of this three and four back-to-back with Trey Young going into the All-Star break uh, and kind of the team ailing a little bit, they might just want to be on the cautious side. Um, Orlando's also had a really tough strength of schedule lately, which makes it very hard for them to evaluate uh, to evaluate them. Rather, Atlanta's nine and eighteen against the spread on the road this season, three and six against the spread on uh, as road favorites, and Orlando's actually six and six against the spread in divisional games. Um, there's a lot of public money coming in on Atlanta, but the line isn't moving much, which also concerns me. It's a little bit of a reverse line movement there. So, yeah, this is a game where I don't really have an angle, and I'm very okay with not having an angle because I don't have any real uh, motivation to bet this game, this number at six on either side. Yep. Yeah, I feel kind of the same way. This is one where I agree. You can kind of see things that are pushing both ways. Uh, With Orlando, I feel like they're a little – you said this, but they're hard to get a read on because they're really kind of up and down and back and forth offensively especially. Uh, There's not a lot of consistency. They have been better on the road in their last 15, 110.3 points a game on the road, 104.5 at home. Field goal percentage is about the same. Three-point percentage, though, six and a half points lower at home than on the road in the last 15. And offensive rating, five points lower. Um, They have been playing kind of fast, actually, in their last 15. They've had a pace of 102, which surprised me when I saw that. I don't think of them playing over 100 for the most part. So it, it hasn't necessarily resulted in a ton more scoring, but they it does seem like they've been playing a little faster. 
Um, they're giving up a lot of points. I mean, they, they held Portland and Detroit down, <laughs> but other than that, it's been like one fourteen plus they held down G league ignite. Good for yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good for them. And that's where I'm saying, like you toss those games out. This is a team that does give up points. Um, I did say too, I got to find where I had it. You talked about Atlanta against, um, against good defenses. So in games, not against Dallas or Boston <laughs> is the way I wrote it. 124, 121, 133, 114, 124. You get the picture. Like Atlanta's been up around 120 most of the time, not against Dallas or Boston. And that really speaks to Dallas and Boston as well. Because well, last, does, night, last night I actually had Cleveland and I was like, well, they struggled against other top five defenses. Yep. Uh, you know, this is a top five defense. Yep. It's clear we, that those two are just upper echelon right yeah. now. We were the same, man. That's I was on I was on uh, Cleveland there as well, and it didn't didn't quite turn out. But no. I, almost, I say, yeah, almost exactly. I will say the Hawks are three and seven against the spread in their last ten games um, on zero days of rest. So on those back to backs, I think you already said one and six in their last seven road games. Magic are five and one against the spread in their last six playing on one days of rest. So more recently, they've been pretty good in that spot. All that said, um, I've I've started trying to put a line on these games too. And when I did it before I looked at the line, I made it uh, minus five for Atlanta. So yeah, it's like right there. Uh, and I was initially uh, looking at the total too. I think this is just a tough game because we don't know all of who will be playing. I have mild interest in the under here actually because Orlando has tended to play lower scoring games at home than on the road. So I haven't bet that, but that's the only other thing I'm looking at. Yeah, makes sense. I don't I have no desire on this game to really like <laughs> I can't stop you something. <laughs> no, really not. I mean, maybe like uh, I don't know, maybe like the team under on Atlanta I'd be interested yeah. in. See what that's at because I can imagine this being a lower scoring game and the under is a path I can see happening, but yeah. I don't know much else. I mean, there's so it's... many other games on the slate that I just have no real desire to push. With you, man. So let's move on to the next one then. Might be another. Well, you might have interest in this game. I don't know how many people will, but Nets at Knicks. (laughs) Knicks minus four and a half. Why are we favoring? (laughs) Because it's the Nets, dude. It's the Knicks, dude. (laughs) It's the same thing. It's Um, worse, actually. Talk talk me into it then, man, because I don't have much faith in either of these teams right now. This is another game that I... (laughs) I wouldn't expect many people to have money on one or one or the other side. Uh, the Nets have won each of the last four matchups between these two, but that's not really indicative of anything, considering that none of the same guys are playing for the Nets, and none of them, none of those wins have been more by more than seven points. Two of those games were by a single bucket. So, you know, Kevin Durant obviously makes that difference. So does Kyrie Irving. Um, the Knicks really need this win. I mean, I don't know if you've seen what's happened in the past couple of days. It's been really tough. Uh, the, the 23 point lead blown to Portland. Ooh, that was rough. The 11 point lead blown to uh, Oklahoma city. Still not as bad, but it's Oklahoma city without shy or Dort. Yep. Um, Tom Thibodeau is a terrorist for leaving RJ Barrett in that game against Denver with uh, down 20 with the scrubs uh, and having him sprain his ankle. Cause this team is just absolutely garbage uh, without him. But um, the Knicks, are three and seven without RJ Barrett. The Nets shoot pretty well on one day of rest. The Knicks shoot terribly on one day of rest. The Knicks are much better after a loss than they are after a win. But Brooklyn six and two in the division. The Knicks are three and one against the spread as favorites in the division. There are things that go both ways here. 
I really, as much as I would love to say, put a play on the Knicks. If the line was four and a half the other way, I'd say sure. But I really don't like, I think this is another really close game between these two teams. Um, but I also don't like taking four and a half, not only because it's against the Knicks um, on the plus side, but also because free throws could easily swing that line. So right. I am uh, staying away from this one as well, as much as it hurts me to say. I will be watching <laughs> from a fan standpoint, which is going to be painful enough. <laughs> it might be. You never know. It's the Nets. They could get a blowout. But yeah, this is one um, I actually wish that I had done more analysis earlier because this line opened at six and a half, I believe. And if it was still six and a half, I would probably take Brooklyn here plus six and a half. Four and a half, I'm less confident in. Some of the reason for that is I actually do think it's going to help Brooklyn quite a bit to have Andre Drummond in the middle. Not that he's as dominant as he used to be, but he does rebound a lot. He does play decent interior defense. He actually can score a little bit too. And they've been so lacking without Harden and Durant and all, all these people. So I think it helps them. Seth Curry as well. He definitely can score. So it's almost like in this lineup now, they have actually a few real NBA players. <laughs> Not like the whole lineup. But it's a little bit better. Um, it's just in also terms a of- weird matchup. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, but you're, you're just good. a weird matchup. Like the Nets own the backcourt matchup here with Patty Mills and Seth Curry against Kemba and Quentin Grimes. Yeah, the Knicks own the frontcourt matchup really with Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson against what is it going to be? Kessler, Edwards, and and Drummond. And yep. is Drummond even starting? Yeah, uh, they have him starting on Roto uh, Roto. Oh Roto-Gri- yeah, well Roto-Gri- that's right that's now. yeah that's what I use. So yeah, Kessler, yep. Edwards, and Drummond. I just I still give the advantage to the Knicks there in the front court. So then it's just a really weird, you know, which one plays out better, which one wins. Right. I don't really know. And that's where I think I could see it being close, like you said. I the other thing just that's of interest to me, and if if you have a little take on why this is, I'd be interested. But you know, the Knicks I automatically for me were a team where I thought, okay, this is a team that's gonna play good defense. The question is gonna be can they score or not? And now it's like it's totally flipped. In the last 10, they're allowing 116.9 points per game, 46.8% field goal percentage, 34.5% three. Um, let's see. I guess that's the main numbers I have for that. But like, it feels like they're playing better on offense and scoring some more points, but it's like all of a sudden they can't play any defense when they had that stretch where they were super dominant, especially at home. So I don't, I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, that, that change. There's, there are a couple reasons for that. I mean, first of all, looking at the change from last year to this year, I mean, with the change in personnel from Peyton and Bullock to uh, Walker and Fournier slash Walker Grimes and Fournier, whatever you want to do with it, that traded some defense for offense right there. And the backcourt, you'll notice the Knicks are going to struggle against dominant guards. Not like, I mean, dominant guards are dominant, but like any guard that has playmaking skill and a decent three point shot is going to play very, very well against the New York Knicks. And you kind of, it's kind of like a, top down thing from there when the guard breaks into the paint often then you have to bring people on to him that opens up other people but what i've really contributed to are two factors number one is a lack of effort from our key players um julius randall if you watch him on the court does not try all the time and whether that's because thibodeau plays him too many minutes or because he's lost faith in the team or he's trying to conserve energy i don't know what it is but we all have plays where he's just standing around watching someone jump in front of him for a rebound and a putback layup or 
you know, we won't rotate as much because if, if in a rotation, if one guy's not rotating, the whole thing gets thrown off. And I'm not blaming it on one guy per se, because we also have guys like Kemba Walker out there who have clearly statistically made the team a worse defensive team when he's on the right. court. So right. it's not entirely to blame on one person. The other thing I'd say is that I would, I haven't looked at it, but I would guess that the first half defense numbers for the Knicks are much better than the second okay. half defense numbers mm. for the Knicks. Tom Thibodeau really needs to work on his halftime adjustments. Um, we're getting outworked in the second half by a lot of teams, by a lot of inferior teams. That's why you see the Knicks blowing all these big leads. We blew the 20-point lead to the Lakers. We blew a 20-point yep. lead to the Blazers, who had yep. nine guys on the team. We blew a 15-point lead or whatever it was to the Thunder. These are not coincidental games. You know, This is a pattern of going up in the first half with good offense and good defense and blowing it in the second with bad versions of both. So I really think that it's partially due to a lack of effort when things get bad. Like when when teams go on their runs, the Knicks don't really seem to have that spark in them to stop the run. And they go and their shot selection is very, very poor when they try to stop a run. It's a lot of isolation, step back jumpers, you know, low percentage shots. But defensively, I definitely say it's the adjustments because Tom Thibodeau thinks mm. we can come out in the second half like we came out in the first half while other teams are changing their offensive game plan for the way we're defending them. And that gives them a lot more open threes when they make the extra pass or when they find out Julius Randle isn't rotating. Yeah. So, I mean, based off that too, another thing that you might look at is depending on the, where it's at at halftime, a second half bet potentially. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I'll just say to wrap this one up and then we'll, we'll move on to the next, but again, like this one, just to say again, where I don't personally don't see tons of value. I lined this as one thirteen, one ten Knicks. So, and the spread's four and a half and it's two seventeen. Like it's just not, not very. So I would say it's about right. Um, from my vantage point. So not much interest in uh, making a play on it. Listen, if they can get a win, I'll be happy. I don't need anything yeah. <laughs> betting wise. Just please, right, win right. please win a game. Get that Knicks win. We'll we'll hope for that for you. So, all right, uh, next one up, man. We got a, a lopsided matchup here. The Pistons going to the Celtics. The Celtics are on a back to back. This is one of those larger spreads you and I were talking about before we came on. Boston minus twelve and a half. Total is two twelve and a half here. Uh, what do you what do you think happens on the back to back for the Celtics here? You know. I made the mistake yesterday of finally fading the Celtics. I had a bad day yesterday is, is what I'm concluding okay. here with our first couple of conversations. I did two days ago, so. Yeah. Um, basically, Boston is just, I, I mean, we talked about it last time with the way that their team has changed under Ime Doku since January 1st. They have been so, so good. In the weirdest situations, too, and that kind of what plays into what I want to talk about here, which is how good Boston has been on no rest because it's, it's, it's very odd. I mean, their defense, I don't have to speak to you and I both right. know that they have the best defense in the league by four uh, points, defensive efficiency wise, they give up a defensive, their defensive efficiency rating is 100.4 since January 1st, which is absurd. It's, yeah, it is. Dallas's is the next best at 104.2. So it's 3.8 bet points better. Uh, they also score. Um, Oh, yeah. Before I go into that, in their six games that they've had uh, three games in four days on a, and they're on the back end of the back to back at the end of that, they've won five of those. So they have a pretty wow. good winning percentage. They score the third most points in the league on no rest with the third highest field goal percentage and the third highest three point percentage. Mm -hmm. Very consistent across the board. 
Detroit has lost eight straight games. Six of those games have been by double digits. Boston's won four of their last five by double digits, and the Celtics are regularly holding teams that are having struggles in scoring bottom 10 teams and scoring to under 100 points. I like Boston minus 12 and a half. I also like under 212 and a half here as Boston really, I don't imagine them needing to get that much done to get this win. I think their defense is what they rely on in the back end of these back-to-backs, which is why they have success. I could see the Pistons being held under 90 points here. Yeah, I think so too. I do think it hurts them a little that Smart and Robert Williams are likely out. Um, that's not official yet, but Smart, I think I saw is doubtful now. Definitely, so yeah. But the the reality is they've played okay when one or two guys sit out. Like they have the people to step in and still be strong on defense. Well, Williams was agree. out yesterday, and Smart got hurt early in the second quarter, I believe. And yeah, they still he sprained played. his ankle and and came out. Yeah, um, when I was watching. So yeah, I agree that they can continue to be good. Detroit away from home here recently, they scored 133 against Sacramento. But other than that, they've been under 100 in three out of eight. And then they had a 101, 103, or no, that's out of seven. So they just haven't been scoring much. And I think that that absolutely is likely to continue against a defense that's just been so stingy here. Um, Detroit away from home is allowing teams to score quite a bit too. They have a 103, a 102 in their last seven. But uh, four game, five games out of the last eight over 116. So they're giving up a lot of points, and Boston's been scoring better. Um, I, you know, you talked about Boston's defensive rating since uh, the beginning of January. Last 15 games, it's even better 97.2 defensive rating in the last 15 games. I mean, that's unheard of. It's insane. Um, the Warriors had a little stretch at the very beginning of the year at home where I think they were under 100, but it wasn't that low. So, um, yeah, so Boston's just crushing people defensively right now. And Detroit's one of those teams that if it, they can't get some easy buckets and open looks, they just struggle so much to score. So I'm with you on the likelihood of them not scoring much here. Um, one of the plays that I'm thinking about here is taking Detroit's team total under and Boston's team total over because I do think that the spread is pretty good. But I also think if I had to bet, I would bet Detroit doesn't score, you know, 98 points or whatever the team total is going to be. And I think Boston has that's a chance why, yeah. to put up 115 again. Um, that's my only concern with the under is does Boston score too much? But well, I do like the under as well. Well, I was thinking about that when I was talking about it, but my thought process here is if I think Detroit's scoring under 90 points, let's right. say they score 90, Boston can score 120 and that game still goes And under. you're still good, totally. So, I agree. so I really think this is not as much an indictment. This under is not an indictment on the Celtics offense as it is both praising their defense and an indictment on the Pistons offense. Totally. Like I could see this. I could see them winning two straight games by 40 points. That's not out of the realm of possibility here. Yeah, they just did it. We'll see if they, that was, it's just crazy to see them up 30 in the, you know, 25 in the first half or 30. Oh my God. Was, so. I thought it was a joke. I was, but. I was in a class and I was like, I thought my website, I thought and Google was glitching with the scores. Yeah. I keep expect waiting for Boston to falter. Like I did bet them yesterday, but part of me is like, is this the game where it falls apart? And then I'm like, nope, guess not. <laughs> Looking at my notes, like I really should have taken Boston, but I just thought like it has to. Right, you I feel like it has to fall. And I mean, well, I mean, is without Robert Williams too, and Embiid was so so good in that stretch before that. I was just yeah. like, you know, yeah, work and from it, the inside out. Yeah, and it is the NBA. Like, we always say this. Of course, anything can happen any night. Like, Detroit could win somehow. But, like, this just feels like a really strong spot with the way these two teams play and their numbers lately. So, 
Uh, so yeah, spread and under for you. I like the under, but also I'm thinking about the Pistons under and Celtics over potentially. So yeah, I like those as well. Um, all right. Next up, we got the Wizards at the Pacers. Man, as we're going through this, I'm like, there's a lot of shitty games on the on the docket today. We said it was a big slate. We well, never said it was a good slate. That's right. And we, we will get to a few good ones here. But uh, so Washington minus one, two twenty six and a half total. Yeah. Um, a couple things I want to point out. The overs hit the last six times these teams have played. Uh, Indies lost seven straight games, but they've also competed well over the last three. They've had tough opponents. Uh, their over has hit in four straight games. Um, Indy allows the least three-pointers made per game on zero days of rest and under 30% from three. And Washington is the second worst three-point percentage on one day of rest. So that's like the one thing I see going for Indy. Um, and based on that, I thought I was going to lean Indy for this game. But the rest of this doesn't really look there, look, look for good for them at all. I mean, first of all, they we have another situation where they have the backcourt advantage and Washington has the frontcourt advantage. Washington starts mm-hmm. um, Neto and Kispert right now at the one yeah. and two. They're facing against Halliburton and, and Heald. That's obviously not beneficial. But on the frontcourt side, Washington has Kuzma and Bryant, I believe, and they're facing yep. – that's not even – like I'm not even saying they're that good, but – Jalen Smith and Gogo Batadze have to be the worst defensive pairing of players to start on a team this year. And they're going to get better, obviously. They're both young, but like, oh my goodness. India is the second worst defense in the league since January 1st. They're also 12 and 24 against the spread uh, versus the East. The over is 12 and 4 when India's at home, uh, when India's home favorites, 22 and 15 when they play other East Conference teams, and 27 and 19 against non division opponents. Washington scores the third most points in the paint uh, per game per in the league. Indy is 27th in points in the paint allowed mm. per game and has been absolutely abysmal in that category since Miles Turner got injured and in trading some bonus. Pick and roll game should be really easy for Washington as well as the pick and pop against Smith and Basadze. And I really think that's the center. Like You can look a lot of different ways with NBA games, but I like to try to see like what's the most likely way that this game is going to go mm. based on how the teams play. And if I'm the Wizards, all I have to do is run pick and roll plays almost every single set because Jalen Smith and Goga Patadze can't guard it. And it's one of the easiest sets to run, even for simple backcourts like Raul Nitto and Kispert. They still have KCP and Kuzma. Kuzma's been playing incredibly well, and he gets to face Jalen Smith, who I understand he was facing Giannis last game, but he did give up 50-14 and whatever. Yeah. So. I, he's not necessarily in the best stretch. Indy's really limping into this all-star game while Washington's trying to get their momentum back and keep themselves in this play-in hunt, um, even without Bradley Beal. They want to keep themselves competitive so they can give time for uh, Porzingis. Porzing- I almost said Porzing bitch because I hate him so much, but Porzingis. <laughs> you just um, did. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I said Porzingis, and it just didn't. I had to explain That's myself. why it came out that way. I yeah. got it. Um, but they're waiting for him to come back. Um, so obviously they want to keep themselves afloat. I just see this as a good spot for Washington. And I really don't mm. like, I don't see where the defense is for the Pacers. Whereas I understand that the offensive, like Halliburton and Heald can only take you so far. You know what I mean? Because besides that, they have O'Shea Brissett, Jalen Smith, Goga Patadze, Dwayne Washington, Lance Stevenson, Terry Taylor, Tristan Thompson, and Kiefer Sykes. The offense, like I don't know why their team to- I, I their team total is at 113. I would also like to look at that under because I even if both Halliburton and Heald score 25, I mean, 
I don't know how like how we get 80 points from the rest of that roster. And I know they're NBA players. They're going to play NBA level basketball. But at the same time, I, I think Washington's a good shout here at um, at minus 110. I like it. I like the value. I think they've looked better in their last couple of games than they did the bad stretch before that. Um, and this should be a game that they can kind of take into the all-star break and hopefully have for them, hopefully for them, have something to uh, look forward to at the other side. Yeah, I'm, you make a great case, man. Um, so I actually come into this being a little bit on the other side, but I think the case you made about Indy's defense is a strong one uh, and their offense to some extent too. So when I look at this, I actually shrink it down even more because they've played three games since that trade and not that nothing before that plays into it, but it's all been tons of points. I mean, they scored 113, 120 and 119, but they gave up 120, 129 and 128, right? Like, like you said, no defense. So like, uh, yeah, even if they score that 113. Right. So I think here, here's what I would say though, for me is you are right about the front court, the the potential problems in the front court for Indiana against Washington. But I think Washington sometimes uh, just beats themselves. Like, I think they're a really bad team. And I think if Kuzma doesn't get it going, especially since the trade, now they've lost Dinwiddie, who is a decent player. Uh, I know Neto can put up some points sometimes, but I don't think he's a very good point guard overall. Um, Kispert can be, I mean, all these guys can be okay, but I don't expect any of them to be Kuzma to me is the X factor. If Kuzma gets off and is hot, he can carry them to victory by himself. Aside from that, I would, would look at the talent across the board as somewhat even. Um, and I think Indiana has played better than you'd expect with all of the injuries that they have in these recent games, other than on defense. So I just think this is like a close game. Um, and I have to admit right now, like part of it is I don't like Washington. Um, one other thing that I will That's throw fair. in, one other thing I will throw in is like I looked back at when Washington plays really bad defenses, which is like bottom six or seven in the league. And I mean, they do have a 122, a 118. This is like the last eight games, but they're around 110 most of the time. And to me, if they score 110 or 112 in this game, I think it's really close. And I think Indiana probably wins. Like, I think Indiana can get back up to that 115 range. So um, I don't feel convicted about it. Um, but some of the trends point toward Indiana, too, which again, how much do you put into that when the roster is just all turned over? But yeah, that's just it for me is like, how much can how many points can Indiana really generate with that lackluster defense? And will it be enough? I mean, just looking at that, I mean, you get let's say you get 25 each from Halliburton and Heald, and then your third leading scorer is uh, Lance Stevenson off the bench. With, let's give him 15. So that's, I mean, what is that? That's 65 points. O'Shea Brissett, Jalen Smith, Batadze. Washington, Taylor, Thompson, and Sykes. I got to imagine you combine their points per game right now and add it to what twenty, maybe. I like these are rough estimations. Obviously, I'm just yeah. I'm yeah. trying to think to myself. I I actually probably like the under in this game. The more I talk about it, because of you know the lack of scorers on both sides. The only issue is, can I trust myself to take an under in a game where the Indiana Pacers are playing right now? The answer is probably no. Right, so right. in that case, I kind of just look at the other side. But there's definitely a case to be made with Washington being as bad as they are right now. It's definitely not a good look by any means. I'm in Washington, D.C. right now. Tickets are like $8 a pop. I swear it costs more to get a sandwich <laughs> in the city. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you make a great – I'm just going back and looking at some of the box scores. And 
I mean, Heald scored like 34 last game. That's not likely to happen again. But Brissett scored 22 a couple games ago. Jalen Smith scored 17. You know, it's just, it's got to be a total. Jalen Smith can score 17. I didn't know that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, probably not a game either of us feel the most strong. Definitely not my best bet of the day. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, let's move on to the Kings at the Bulls. Chicago minus five, 232 and a half. Another game and another team that uh, had the big trade with the Pacers. Yeah, uh, another game I don't have too much on. Um, the one here, the trends I will say the overs hit in three of the four matches between these two teams in the last three seasons. The overs 12, 10, and one when Chicago's home favorites, 11, 8, and one when Sacramento's road dogs, and 13, 8, and one when Chicago faces the Western Conference. And both teams have bottom five defensive ratings since January 1st. Every time we talk about the Bulls on the show, I always feel like I have to mention how much worse they've been defensively since they lost Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso. Those two are really their defensive backcourt. They're their lockdown guys on the other team's best guards. And they can, I mean, they're both 6'3 plus. They can both, or 6'2 plus at least. I know Lonzo's 6'5. Caruso might be 6'4, 6'3, maybe, probably not. Um, But still, they both guard sometimes the best player on the other team from one through three, Um, especially now without Zach Levine tonight as well. I really do like the over. Um, I think losing Zach Levine takes some points off of the total. I think this normally would be around 235. Um, But Chicago has proven themselves to be able to score regardless. Sacramento's proven themselves to be able to score regardless. The only thing these two teams can't do each is defend. So. Uh, I, I especially like it after the trade because Sabonis is playing starting center now. So that means we have two starting centers that are absolute turnstiles on defense that are also absolute bucket machines on offense. <laughs> so uh, I really do like the over at 232 and a half. Um, that's my only play on this game. I don't like a side. Okay. Yeah, I like the over two and just a few more things to fill in. Again, this is a game where I look at the last three just because of the trade that happened for Sacramento. They had two really good offensive games and one poor one. In the one that was poor, they shot 34.3% from field goal range and 257 from three-point range. And they tricked me with the first two games into betting well, on right, them they on were, the third. So they were over 50 in the first two from field goal range and over 40 from three point range. Now they may not be that high, but I also don't think they'll be as low as that bad game was. I think they just had a crappy offensive game. Um, They had 12 assists in that game too, where they had 27 and 32 in the ones where they played better. So Chicago, like you said, they are scoring a ton, but they're not really stopping anyone. They're allowing 116 points a game in their last 10 um, allowed 114 or more in seven of the last 10. But at the same time, they've scored 120 or more in seven of the last 10. And it really hasn't mattered when one guy has been out. They have enough weapons on offense that they just don't need everyone to be there. The, the, the other thing that stuck out to me, 121.3 offensive rating in their last seven games at home and 121.7 their last seven with one day of rest. So both of those spots, I mean, you get an offensive rating over 120. That's just killing it. So Looks good. Yeah, so I think this game, um, you know, I had the total for me around 239. And I think you make a good point. We probably get a little bit of a break because Levine isn't playing, but I don't think it really matters too much. Kobe White and Io DeSumo can both score. Yep, they sure can. So, yeah, I like I like the over in this game as well. I, I actually do like Chicago a little bit. Um, I, have I lean that way. Minus eight here. But, um, but yeah, the total I like better than the, than the spread. Yeah. 
Usually when I'm looking at like my implied spreads versus what I have um, on Vegas, three is like the minimum that I'm looking for with the differential. So it's not usually yeah. a huge play, but I do like getting that that little edge from Vegas for sure. Yeah. All right, good. Well, I think that's probably the play we've agreed on the most to this point is that over. Over. Uh, Kings and Bulls. Yep. All right, next one could be a good game or a bunch of people could sit out, but Raptors at Timberwolves, uh, Toronto minus one and a half. I believe they were plus one and a half when this started today and it swung uh, probably because of the Anthony Edwards news that it's uh, a good chance he's not playing, but actually a decent chance Van Vliet won't play as well. 227 and a half total. Yeah, um, this one's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Toronto has won three of the last four meetings between these two teams, but there's a lot of really sharp money on Minnesota. It's unlikely. Listen, I know Edwards is questionable, but he sprained his ankle last night, like last night, last night. I would say it's or, or whatever. Maybe it was two nights ago, but no, no, last night. Yeah, I would say it's unlikely that he plays today. I've sprained an ankle before, and I'm not an NBA player or anything, but it was pretty tough to walk the next day. Yeah. Um. I can't imagine playing basketball on it. Minnesota has been so freaking good offensively since January 1st. They're the best team in the league with the offensive rating since January 1st. Uh, but defensively, on no rest, they've been terrible. They allow 117 points per game on 48% shooting from the field, 38% shooting from three. Um, Toronto allows the second best three-point percentage on one day of rest. And Minnesota – Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> I like that, actually. Yeah. Minnesota scores 114 points per game on no rest on a lot of three-point attempts. So there's mm. that danger there for Toronto where they give up a lot of threes. Minnesota likes to rain the threes. This could be a poor matchup for them. Both teams are in the top 10 of offensive ratings since January 1st. Uh, Toronto's 5-1 against the spread on the road in the last 10. Um, but there's a lot of reverse line movement on Minnesota. Let me check uh, to get the exact Crazy. numbers. Um do 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 yeah even with yeah the line is barely moved with 81 percent of the uh current public money on toronto's money line um and if i look at the numbers from earlier today um yeah 31 percent of the um Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. 30% of the handle um, on Minnesota, 59% of the bets, and then it swapped completely on the money line. Um, so, because the handle is minus one and a half. So, obviously, teams are, people are thinking more, you know, forget the juice. I'll take the juice, give me the money line. But I really just think it's a very, very good spot for um, Carl Anthony Towns in specific. In the month of February alone, Toronto's given up huge games to all three of Bam Adebayo, Nikola Jokic, and Nikola Vucevic. Three guys who can score, three centers that score and distribute on all levels, just like Carl Anthony Towns. And Nick Nurse even admitted that they've had a big problem with uh, playmaking centers and saying that they're going to possibly make some lineup switches. Mm. No Anthony Edwards does concern me, but Minnesota being so good offensively recently and the fact that they have a lot of depth. I mean, Jalen Noel's been playing really well as a backup guard and forward, so I could see him stepping up in um, Edwards' absence. Same thing with McDaniels. Same thing with um, Torian Prince, who apparently they wanted to get into the game the other night but didn't, so he's pr he's apparently really upset about that. We'll see if he has like a little bit of a – like I'm never going to say a Torian Prince game, but like, you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe this is a game where the role players step up for the T-Wolves. Um, and I think that's what the spot is here. 
I like Minnesota, even though everything is te- like this is one of those picks where everything's telling me to go Toronto, but I'm going Minnesota and I'm doing it because of a couple things, including the three point shooting, including the offensive rating, including Toronto struggling against centers recently and including um, that I don't necessarily believe that their defensive numbers um are as bad as they seem. I mean, um, if you look at how they who they've played on three and four back to backs on those on those no days of rest schedules, they've actually been very unfortunate with teams and offensive rating um, that they've played. The teams they've played on those games have usually been very high in offensive rating. So I actually look for the T Wolves to see a little bit of positive regression to the mean here defensively, um, and hopefully um, the offense stays just as potent without Anthony Edwards. And I don't know as much uh, about Fred Van Vliet's injury. I've seen he's just questionable. Um, but he if didn't he go through shoot around today. He didn't go through shoot around. Let me do a really quick uh, numbers check on. Dude, Raptors. I got numbers for with and yeah. without Edwards and Van Vliet. Perfect. Yeah. So jump into it. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't do every number, but it's actually interesting with Van Vliet, without Van Vliet, the Raptors score nine, almost nine more points a game when he's out, but they give up 15 more. 105.46 with Van Vliet in 121.5 with him out. So um, it's one of those things you don't expect because you think, of course, their offense is better with Van Vliet, and it probably is. Wouldn't think he's the defensive mastermind but, there. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, purely by the numbers, it's uh, score more but give up more. Um, and maybe maybe that has know. something to do with the pace. I don't know. Good. Um, but I also know that they are 2-4 and four without him. So uh, – and, and they only get – they get under 40 rebounds per game in those games. I'm not sure – yeah, it probably has nothing to do with him, but maybe that does speak a little bit more to their defense and not really giving up as many missed baskets, so not as many opportunities yeah. for rebounds. Um, but I do think their defense is suspect here in this spot, and Minnesota's offense is in such a good, you know, groove going into the All Star break that I just, I don't know. I think it's a good spot for them at home here, even though they're on the worst rest schedule. All right, it's good. Uh, I'm going to try to make the case for the other side now, and we'll see who uh, who convinces who. You actually got me thinking I got Toronto plus 105 earlier, and I just went and looked, and I'm like, well, Minnesota's plus 115. Maybe I should just go ahead and take the profit. that out and get the small little profit, you know. But, but let me just share why I went with Toronto initially this morning. Um, so Toronto had been on a tear, right? Um, like one, I don't even remember what their how many wins in a row they had. Six or seven, I think. Six or seven, right? So a good run. Their last game feels like a little bit of an outlier to me. They had eight assists. I mean, they haven't been that low in assists in forever. They shot 30.5% from field goal range. They shot 23.5 from three-point range against a bad defensive team. And to your point, Minnesota may not be as bad as all the numbers, but they're not a good defensive team. No, I just don't see Toronto coming out and being that bad on offense again. And I actually think because like maybe there's some recency bias where it's like, oh, Toronto was so terrible that that might affect people a little bit when they think about this game because it was so bad in the last one. Um, Minnesota's lost three straight on the back end of a back-to-back. Um, the totals were super high in those games. So that's the other thing is the total here, but 251, 258, and 256 um on the back end of back-to-backs for Minnesota. Um, I had a number here. Oh, their defensive rating in their last three on the back end of back-to-backs was 130.7. So Minnesota's been really bad recently on the back end of back-to-backs on defense. Um 
And then the other thing is, like, I didn't know this at the time, but if Edwards is out, you know, we talked about Van Vliet. Minnesota scores about nine more points a game when he's in. They they only score 105.8 this year with him out. And I will say, most of those games were probably a little bit earlier in the season when they weren't rolling on offense the way they were now. And I oh, think that is definitely have, interesting. Yeah. So I think they have people who can step in for him to some extent, but I do think it could make an impact. And then they actually allow um, less points without him as well. So they allow 112.5 when he's in 106.3 when he's out. So it feels like things move in both ways to me in terms of the total. I do think if I had to pick it, I still probably like the over here. Cause I think both these teams are capable of 120. Um, whether they do it or not, we'll see. And then I just think uh, like, I think Toronto and Minnesota have both been pretty hot, but I just think Toronto played such a bad game last game that they come out stronger here and keep it close. But you've also got me thinking I might just uh, play the plus money on both sides. <laughs> well, you've also got me thinking that I might. I don't know. I don't know. This is it's really it's a tough one to evaluate because I don't trust Minnesota defensively in the slightest. And if they're not able to score without Anthony Edwards, I do seriously question it. So uh, I'm going to look a little more into this game after this yeah. conversation. And I think then, I might do that, too. And then we can, you know, we can talk a little bit more privately about how we may have switched our. That's opinions. right. That's right. Maybe we'll end up on the same same side eventually. So I, yeah, I'm I'm really not sure anymore. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same. And I'm a Timberwolves fan, man. Like I want him to win. So I, listen, like, I like him, and I, I, I really him, so I like Anthony Edwards a lot. But yep. if he can't play. The, the other thing that I will say with Minnesota, just like, and I don't have the numbers to back this up, but just watching them is they feel like a team where when everybody's healthy, I actually think they can be competitive with anyone in the league when everyone's healthy, but they do feel like a team that when one of their key players goes out, it like affects them more than it affects most teams. Like when D'Angelo Russell was out, it's not that his numbers are so phenomenal, but when he was out, they just couldn't win. Um, and, and I think that that, if he towns or Edwards is out, I just think it has a significant impact on this team. So that is something to yeah. watch. For me. So I just did a little quick stat news search because I was interested yeah. um, in D'Angelo Russell's game log when Anthony Edwards doesn't play. Um, okay. It's interesting. You'd think he scores more points, but he doesn't. He actually shoots. He, he he's his most points scored in one of those games is twenty two, which is actually against Dallas. Um, yeah. And he's scored under 20 in the other three games. Uh, he's shot under 50% in three of those four games. And he's turned the ball over at least three times in three of those four games. Hmm. So it seems like D'Angelo Russell kind of does a little more chucking and not as much. Um, although I will say he averaged, he has had um, over 10 assists in two of those games. So he does okay. more play. He does do some playmaking. Yeah. But if he can't score either without Anthony Edwards, I'm really starting to flip. Then it's on I'll towns, you right? Then like you said. Yeah. Then it's just on towns. Yeah. And I'm really starting to flip then. Yeah. Well, that's good stuff. Everybody can take that and do what they want with it. <laughs> but Listen, some stuff I, am, on at least, I right? am someone that likes to uh, keep my keep my mind open. And when I hear things yeah, that change too. it, I will change it. Me too. All right. Let's... Uh, Let's keep moving on to the next one here. Uh, Spurs at the Thunder. And I will say probably, I don't know if you do, you're do you doing this as well, but if you want to see if anything changes, you can check things out on Twitter, probably post some thoughts there as the day goes along on some of this stuff. So, yeah. 
Um, all right, Spurs and Thunder, San Antonio minus eight. Fairly big number, 218 as the total. What do you think? Snooze fest. Um, <laughs> yeah. The under has hit five straight games between these two teams. Um, no SGA or Dort. OKC shoots terribly on the day of rest. But also, OKC is really, 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 really good against the spread. Uh, additionally, they're really good against the spread after a win and at home and in games against their division. Uh, they also have had a top 10 defense since January 1st, inexplicably. I don't know how. I don't know why, uh, but they do. They're also 4-1 and one, um, against the spread in, against, in their division, going back to that. So I don't have too much on this game. I don't like it. I don't like that I'm taking the Thunder plus eight, but I am because I don't. Think the, I just don't think the Spurs are eight points better, and I think that the defense of the Thunder should be able to keep this a closer game. Um, but that being said, it's it's probably my smallest play tonight. Okay, great. So I don't. I mean, I don't blame you for not liking this game. Um, so last game, my favorite streak in the NBA got ruined. Uh, and I'm sorry to bring this up because I know it was the Knicks and I'm not doing it to rub it in. I promise. No, no, just, I, I know what a, you're going to say. It's, a streak it's my favorite watching. streak too. So, yeah. So Oklahoma City had scored 104 or less in every game without Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And I believe it was up to 12 games where that had happened. And then in the 13th, they went and scored a bunch of points against the Knicks. So it ruined that streak. Wow, who would have guessed the Knicks were the team? Who would who would have guessed? That's what I'm saying about their defense lately, man. I don't know what's up, but abysmal, abysmal. Um, Josh Giddy shot four or four from three. I don't want to hear it. Right. So, but but so that's a good example. One of the things that I would look at here is going back to the team total under for the Thunder. When the Thunder have won games or covered the spread, a lot of times it's because they don't score a lot, but they keep the other team from scoring very much too. And I definitely think that could happen here. Now you could say the Spurs have a terrible defense. Why would you bet a team total under against the Spurs? But if you go back and look in Oklahoma, 14 of Oklahoma City's last 15 games, they've scored 100 or three and less or less. And here's some of the defenses they did it against. Chicago, Sacramento, Portland, Portland, Indiana, Charlotte, and San Antonio uh, themselves. All I probably those had the over in most of this. Right, right, exactly. You think it should be, right? And again, I don't ever like to bet an under, a team total under against the Spurs, but I just think the, the Thunder have a large sample size. Dort is out. Uh, who, Ty Jerome is out. Not a big deal, but Gilgis Williams out. Kendrick, yeah, Kendrick Williams. So they have Giddy. They have man who chucks and like sometimes hit and sometimes doesn't. They have Baisley. He did against the Knicks. You know, but it is almost like you said for the Pacers of like if Giddy doesn't go off, where is the scoring coming from here to get them up to that number? So this is a game where um, probably my favorite bet is the Thunder team total under possibly the under in general because like you said they have played pretty good defense the one thing that might keep me off that is that san antonio has been better on the road in their last 15 scoring 117.5 points a game 113.7 at home so i mean whatever they maybe didn't play as good of defenses as the thunder have been but i think san antonio is a team that really is capable of putting up a pretty decent number because Dejounte murray creates their shooters so are healthy good. right now. He kicks out. If they're hitting the three-point shot, I think that they can score a decent number. So well, I something actually, else I like in this game, I hate to cut you off. One, yeah, no, one go ahead. Thing. Um, the Thunder are actually really bad. They're, they're very good against point guards defensively, but one thing they are not good against is point guard assists. They give mm. up um, 
I think let me check to make sure I have this right, but yeah, the second most assists per game to point guards. Um, right. So I would definitely give a look to that Deonta Murray assist yep. prop, whatever it is, probably around 10. I don't care. I'd take it. Right. I mean, he's, he's good for that almost every night right now. Yeah. So, so I, I actually like the structure of this Spurs team pretty well because of the shooters they have around him. I think eight is too wide for me to bet it. Like if you forced me to pick a side, I would actually take the Spurs minus eight in this spot, but I'm not going to bet it just because I would want it to be like minus four or three and a yeah. half for me to be interested in it. Um, that, but that total under potentially, and then I'm definitely going to look at the Thunder's team total under as well. So definitely. that's what I got there. Um, next game up, we go to the Blazers against the Grizzlies, Memphis minus 11 and a half. Two twenty nine and a half. I'm done. I'm done with the Blazers. I'm not looking. Yeah. No, I can't do it. It doesn't make sense, man. It doesn't. It really doesn't make any sense. And I can't do it anymore because this game make. I think the the Grizzlies should win this game by sixty five points. And, <laughs> and and that'd I, be a good alt line right there, man. I'm you sure. Get I'm sure. As that. soon as I press that button, they lose this game. Like I don't know what. It doesn't make any sense. Who did Portland beat recently? They beat Milwaukee. Yep. How the hell did they beat Milwaukee? They beat Milwaukee by like 18. Two nights ago. Yep. They beat the Knicks, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, whatever. They, they beat the Lakers too. I mean, and they're doing this all with nine guys on their team. So I have no idea how to evaluate this team. I'm not ashamed to say it because I don't get it. So I'm just – I'm fading Portland. I'm fading all games involving Portland until I understand something about their roster. All right. Fair enough, man. That's it. That's it for me. Yeah. So I, I likewise am surprised at how well Portland has been doing. Not something that you would expect. I do think that they got stabilized a little bit having Josh Hart in the lineup. I'm not saying Josh Hart is an amazing player, but I do think he's a decent he's underrated. player. Yeah, he's underrated. He has a lot of experience. So I think that's a little bit stabilizing for them probably. All of a sudden, they're playing Justice Winslow a ton of minutes of power forward. Uh, but Nurkic has played well. And then I think Simons is up and down is the thing. When Simons is on, they do have the potential to score pretty well. When he's off, uh, they're not going to. So he's just inconsistent. I will say, like, Memphis has just been absolutely crushing. John Morant is a game-time decision tonight, so that's worth watching. But the reality is Memphis is good even when he doesn't play. When you go look at how they've been doing on offense, uh, their last five games, six games, have all been over 120 points. The four before that were like 119, 118, 115. So like this is a team that's coming out and putting up 120 points on a daily basis. Um, and that's probably reflected in the line here, but but they have been. They've been pretty good on defense, holding teams under 110 most of the time, not every time. They've won nine of 10 games. Their only loss was in to Philadelphia in overtime. Um, and so just winning every game. Uh, margin of victory at home has been 8.4 points over their last 15. So they're generally beating people by a good margin. Um, in turn, let's see what else I got here. Um, so Portland is on a three game win streak, which is what you said, the Lakers, the Knicks and the Bucks, which is crazy. They've scored 107 or more in all three of those, um, in terms of, and you put me onto this looking at points in the paint and stuff. And, and you brought this up when they played the Clippers, but Memphis number one in points in the paint, 
Um, and even more so in the last three games. So on the season, 57.4 points a game, 62 over the last three. And Portland um, is middle of the pack defending points in the paint, but they've, they're actually third in the league over or fourth over their last three games. So maybe with the roster shakeup, they've been playing a little bit better interior defense. Portland, on the other hand, scores a lot of their points from three-point range. Number three in the league of percentage of points from three. Memphis is middle of the pack defending that, but they're second best in the league over their last three defending the three. So, yeah, bleh. like uh, stuff pointing both ways. Who knows what Portland comes out and does? Uh, I actually lined this game as only Memphis minus seven. So it feels like there's some value there. But the problem for me is I believe in Memphis a lot and I don't believe in Portland very much. Yeah. And so it's like if, if the number was at a spot where it was close to what I thought it would be, I'd maybe take a shot on Memphis. The one thing I might do is take a first half shot on Memphis. They've been just destroying teams in the first half lately. And in the first quarter. Or the first quarter, yeah. I think if I place, if I put a bet on this game, it would be one of those two things. Yeah, I might look at Memphis's so, first quarter as well. Yeah, it's a good call. Yeah, and the total, I I don't know what to tell you. I think it's probably about right. So I think it's one of those games that like could be Memphis could blow them. They could win like a hundred and forty to a hundred and ten, or it could be like. 110 to 80 and you know you yeah. don't really know what you're getting you from either side yep yep it's yeah this is just it's a tough game to call because we just don't know what portland's gonna settle into being yet um with this new roster so all right uh this is one you know i'm not a huge fan of but we'll talk about it anyway rockets at the suns i got nothing absolutely got nothing. nothing absolutely right. nothing and i hate to be that guy you know but like <laughs> here's Dude, so at the end uh, of the day, I'm just trying to bet smarter, not harder. And it's like some of these games are right. just so absolutely like, terrible. If you're not on the stream, you won't be able to see this on the podcast. But I usually have like half a page of notes for a game, right? Like bullet points. Same. This, this game, I have three lines. And one of them says, I don't even care to mess with games when the spread gets this wide. <laughs> That's one of my notes. That's actually so. one of my bullet points says... 15 and a half points. Are you really going to sit here and take this game? <laughs> totally. Uh, so here's the only thing I have, and I'm not betting it, so I'm not recommending anyone else does either, but Phoenix against bad defenses, 132 against or Orlando, 131 against Milwaukee, which they're not always a bad defense, 127 against Chicago, 115 against Atlanta. So if I wanted to take a shot, I would probably look at the Suns team total over, which is going to be at like 220 or so, around the 220 range or 120, well, not yeah. 220. Holy wow. hell. Uh, Best <laughs> team ever. Take the under. Take the under. Yeah, I would uh, hammer that. Yeah, 120 though. So again, I don't want to bet anybody's team total at 120, uh, but that's the only thing that I could even remotely like here, I think. so. Yeah, I have nothing. All right. Nothing. Not hey, on that. And I don't a, feel bad about it. It's a big slate. So we'll just jump to the next one. Yeah. The Jazz at the Lakers. Uh, next to last game here, Utah minus four and a half, 226 total. Yeah. Um, when I played, when I during the NFL season, my partner and I like to do something called the don't overthink it play of the week. Uh, and those those were pretty good. We ended up going seven to one on those. And it was kind of like, yeah. you know, you see the matchup sometimes. You don't need to do too much. Sometimes things are just going your way with a line and you just take it. And I know that sounds kind of arbitrary and square, but let me just take it through. 
The Jazz haven't had their full strength lineup together in months. And now that they do, they've ripped off six straight wins. Four of them were by double digits. They were also all at home. And they do have a five-game losing streak on the road. But they were not at full strength when they were on that five-game losing streak on the road. So I take that with a grain of salt. The Lakers are often crippled by opposing guards play. Uh, point guards and shooting guards. Mostly point guards, but shooting guards as well. That favors Utah here with Mitchell and Conley. Uh, the Lakers have lost three straight. LeBron's a game time decision questionable. AD is probable, so I'm counting him in. The Jazz are ninth in points in the paint per game. The Lakers are 26th in points allowed in the paint per wow. game this year. I really, really like Utah in this spot. I think this is a great momentum place for them uh, to get their seventh straight win, head into the All-Star break after a lot of turmoil up and down in the beginning first half of the season. They're really starting to put it together. I think Gobert does a great job. Um, with paint defense, which should help them against Anthony Davis, and especially if it's just Anthony Davis. Um, and the way I see it here with guys like LeBron on the injury line, when um, if I get him at four and a half here and LeBron's ruled in, this line maybe moves to four, three and a half. If LeBron is ruled out, I get crazy CLV uh, because this line will move to six and a half, seven and a half, maybe eight and a half by closing. So there are a lot of factors that point me towards the Jazz in this game, and I'm not shying away. I really think that they are one of the best teams in the league when they're at full strength. Not the best, but one of the best. And they they are at full strength today uh, with the re- obvious um, redactions of Rudy Gay and um, Joe Ingles. Rudy Gay being hurt, Joe Ingles being traded and hurt. So I really, really like the Jazz in this game. I like Mitchell and Conley to be the driving factors as to why, as well as Go Bears defense. And I expect the Lakers to struggle here. This is not as much numbers-based as it is, I believe, in the Jazz at their full strength-based. And I think at four and a half, this number is too low for a team that is, at their best, a top three team in the league in the in the West versus a team that is currently eighth or ninth. And barely, uh, and barely, Aether. Yeah, so with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, so I'm gonna throw a few things in, and then I'll say why and how much I'm on the same side as you. So Utah, in spots where they go out on the road after four more games at home this year, they've done that three times. They're three and zero in those games, and they've won them. The first one they won by 18, then they won by one against Cleveland and six against the Spurs. So it's not like they've totally blown the doors off everybody, but they are 3-0 and in those spots. They've also played good defense lately, 104 points or less in all six games on this homestand. And like you said, it is at home, but still I think as they get healthy, I 100% agree with you. We need to look almost separately at that and how they're performing as they get healthy. So even if that number isn't 104 on the road, what if it's 108? Like I'm still okay with that. And I'll say that at the end with where I lined this game. The other big thing for me is like, Rudy Gobert is not my favorite player, but the reality is just that he makes a big difference. So with him in the lineup, they average 115.4 points per game without him 109.6. So you think of him on the defensive side, but they actually average almost six more points a game this season when he's playing. And then on the defensive side of the ball, 105.6 with him in, 110.86 with him out. So they give up five more points a game. So between offense and defense, 
just based on the numbers, it's an 11 point swing from him being in or out. So I just think it makes a big difference, especially going up against a team that has Anthony Davis. Like I actually think at this point in, in the career, Rudy's just as athletic and he's long. And I think he can play great defense on Anthony Davis. So I wrote like you in my notes, I wrote now that they're healthy, I think Utah probably starts rolling. And when I made this game, I made it Utah 124 LA 107. So I have this down as uh, destruction uh, in L.A. today. So I absolutely love Utah minus four and a half as well. Yeah. And um, one thing I'm looking at that doesn't have too much credence towards anything, but it is interesting, is uh, Gobert and Anthony Davis's game log against Rudy Gobert. Um, You know, it's interesting. He has these one-off explosion games. Like he had one game with 42 and 12, another game with 36 and 17, another game with 43 and 14. This is all since 2014, by the way. So there's a lot. uh, There's a lot of sample size here. But he's also got the majority of his games where he's got less than 30. We've got a game with 26, 21, 16, 15, 15, 20, 12, 19. So he definitely has these spots where he doesn't do as well. Um, it's interesting to me. I'd really like to see if I can find it, his numbers, um, when he has LeBron versus when he doesn't, but I don't think I can find that currently. I I still think that even if he has a good game, it's a very, very tough matchup for the Los Angeles Lakers because of how they have to defend against these guards and they don't have the facilities to do that. Yep. I will throw in there too. I pulled it up to look at this as well. And he does have some huge games here. The one where he scored 42 points, he shot four of eight from three point range. Yeah. Um, so 50%, not something he's normally going to do. I uh, had 28 field goal attempts, which, which he could, but then the game where he had 26, the next one, he shot 81.8% from the field. I mean, just like some crazy numbers there. So I think like something in that, that, like, I don't high buy team, that. High teens to low twenties feels more likely to me, right? Um, and then you look at that this matchup, and you say, "Well, if the Jazz are at full strength and they're able to score that one fifteen that they usually score with Gobert and Mitchell on the floor, then if AD gets those high teens to low twenties, what does LeBron have to do to make this right. even a close game, let alone yep. a win?" Yep, totally. All right, we're on the same same side on that one. Um, yeah, that's I'm one of my from the total, but I like you. That's one of my sure. favorite bets of the day. So, I'd put that in my list. Yeah, me too. That's one I already got in on that minus four and a half because, uh, like you said, uh, that line could move depending on the LeBron news. So, yeah. All right, uh, last game of the day. We've got uh, that's why I got you know the the hat on for the last game. Nuggets at Warriors. Golden State minus five and a half, two twenty five and a half total. Yeah. See, this is actually my favorite game on the slate. All right, sweet. Um, Let's hear it. And I have a roommate who is a huge Golden State Warriors fan from the Bay. So um, he's not going to like me. Um, Denver's (laughs) won four out of five. But I will. Yeah, you will for sure. Denver has won four out of their last five and scored 110 or more in all of those games. I've been watching Golden State because I watch them with him. Uh, We have a bunch of TVs set up here so everyone gets to watch their team. Um, Golden State's been really bad over the last four games particularly, and they've been out-rebounded by eight boards per game in those last four games. And part of that goes down to Kevon Looney, who I've been looking – I've been taking his rebound props almost every game up until these last couple weeks because Kevon Looney is one of the only players in the league that started every single game for his team, and you can see that he is worn down. I mean, 
you have to realize, and this is not, I'm not, this is not an indictment on Kevon Looney whatsoever. It's actually praise. <laughs> Kevon Looney is much younger than people think he is. He's only 25 years old. And he is in the position now where there's he's on a team where they're missing Wiseman and they're missing Draymond Green. So he's now put into a much higher, much larger role than he's been expected to be in. And Draymond Green is the quarterback of this defense. He directs everybody, especially the big men. And you'll you ask James Wiseman about his first year. You see clips of Wiseman getting knowledge and lessons from Draymond Green. The same thing goes for Jonathan Kuminga right now. Uh, and so without Draymond Green on the floor, Kevon Looney is really starting to look like he's laboring and he's really tired. And I think that has a lot to do with being out. Uh, that has a lot to do with their being out rebounded because without your best rebounder, who's pretty much your only rebounder right now, uh, it's a real issue. So if you look into the matchup now, um, Denver's actually leapfrog Golden State in offensive performance on one day of rest in uh, points per game and in splits. Uh, the only bad thing about Denver right now is that they're 13 and 21 against the spread versus conference opponents. So they're much better against the East than versus the West. Obviously, they play the West more. Denver's offense is ranked third since January 1st. Golden State's is ranked 15th. I think that's been one of the misconceptions about yeah. Golden State recently is that their offense has been what's been winning them games. It's actually been their defense. Um, but I struggle to see how their defense is going to work right now against a center of Jokic's size. They give up 31, 12, and 6 to Towns last time they played a dynamic center. I think Jokic feasts with these conditions. Um, Golden State has allowed at least 111 points in each of their last four games. Three of them were against subpar offenses, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Knicks. Uh, Denver is 5-1 and one against the spread in the, on the road in their last 10 games. And Denver scores a lot. I think this is a team that if, you, if they go – on the offensive against Golden State early, this is not a game that Golden State can necessarily shoot themselves right back into because Denver will continue the scoring barrage, especially if they have a lead and Jokic is the one controlling the ball and controlling the game. I really think it's going to be tough for the Warriors to establish dominance in any line of of, of this game unless they end up shooting 50% from three, which is obviously a, a possibility. But I just think that this matchup favors Denver more than it does Golden State. So I like Denver plus the five and a half points. And I've actually sprinkled a little bit on plus 185. Nice, man. I A lot of the points that you said are ones that I had down. And I actually, uh, as much as I like the Nuggets and, you know, that they and the Timberwolves are the teams that I root for. People have listened to this show. Like, I really like the Warriors and I really keep expecting them oh, to pop. There's Even without Draymond, with Clay coming back, I'm like, they're going to figure it out and they're going to get working. And with, with Curry and Thompson on the floor and the way they both are capable of shooting, it's like, man, at some point they just got to go off. But that's Can I not throw a hot take out here really quickly? Yeah, sure. The Warriors are going to win the Western Conference, at least. If I not actually the entire took a thing. future on them already. <laughs> if not the entire thing. Do you yeah. realize that they've only played seven seconds with their – big three on the floor together. That's and that crazy. was all. the only reason they played those seven seconds is because Draymond Green was supposed to oh, sit out right. that game. But he was like, I owe it to Clay Thompson yep. to stay in for the tip off. So yep. they lost the tip off. Draymond fouled and sat. That's yep. the only time that they've played with those three together on the court. Yeah. And they weren't all healthy. So imagine if you will, when Draymond comes back in a couple of weeks, this, like, I just want to point out that this team was 73 and nine with Harrison Barnes, Sean Livingston, and Andrew Bogut. And that's not to say that those guys weren't good role players, but that is to say that they have much better role players now. Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, Otto Porter, 
all guys that have contributed a lot more now. This team's going to win the Western Conference and probably the whole thing if 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 they can get healthy, if Draymond Green can get healthy. Just Dude, wanted I'm to put you. that out there. That, that is this is not me putting anything on the Warriors besides their health issues being a detriment to this matchup. That and also I will say just as a side thing, if you're someone who does play futures, you might want to look at what that number is on the Warriors because it's probably not going to get better than it is now because Draymond will come back shortly after the All-Star break, most likely, uh, and then it'll start moving the other direction. But in terms of today's game, uh, I one of the big things I look at is I think of the Warriors as a great defensive team, and I think they will be a very good defensive team. But right now, if you look at their defensive rating over their last number of games here, 122.8 against the Clippers, 115.8 against the Lakers, 118 against the Knicks, 120.8 against Utah. Maybe that's okay. 102.6 against Oklahoma City. Okay, but I won't keep going forever, but 119, 122.3, just saying. Not a recipe for success. Their defensive rating has been terrible. And Denver is a very good offensive team. And like you said, I think Denver is set up really well because of Jokic to be good against the Warriors specifically. And Denver hasn't been great on defense, but they've been okay. Um, And I think right now that's about what you have to be is okay against Golden State. So I also, I mean, especially the Nuggets getting five and a half here. I think if this line was closer to, I think it's maybe a close game. I mean, I don't necessarily expect the Nuggets to come out and blow them away. But yeah, at that number, um, I think that the Nuggets are the right side here. Um, I had it as a, you know, close to a pick em. And in terms of the total, I have it at 226 in how I line this game. So, uh, or 226 and a half. So uh, not, not much value for me on that one. But yeah, I have this closer to a uh, Golden State minus one and a half, minus two. And okay. I really think that the only reason that this that they're fav- that I would have them favored in this spot is because they play much better at Oracle. Um, but I really don't think this is a good spot for them, especially against the spread. I don't. I mean, they're great free throw shooters, so I could obviously see why a, a smaller spread would be boosted to a larger spread because you know Steph and Clay aren't going to miss their free throws. But at the same time, it's just like a very specific situation. I think the X factor here is really Wiggins. Um, if Andrew Wiggins can be a threat to Denver, um, that's really, I don't know. I, I, I feel like that could be a spot for the Warriors to kind of expose the interior defense of the Nuggets and then work from the inside out and kind of start kicking out to Clay, kicking out yeah. to Steph. But I just – is that really the game plan I think they're going to go with, especially to start the game out? No. And then do I really think that if they start the game out a different way that they're going to be able to make that adjustment against such a potent offense and get back those points? It's just it's just a lot of question marks for me for Golden State right now, especially when you look at how they've been playing on the boards in these last couple of games. It does not suit them for a big man like Jokic who's had like 26 double-doubles and like 10 triple doubles or whatever the hell it is this year. I mean, I think he's going to go absolutely off tonight. um, And I don't necessarily know how many here. Let me find out the Nuggets record when Jokic scores 35. Uh, All right. Well, I didn't get it. I didn't get a, a result. So, yeah, oh, sometimes that go. happens. Three and one. They're three and one okay. when Jokic scores 35 plus. And when he scores 35 plus, he actually scores 40. 
Thursday. Okay. He scores 39 and a half and averages 14 and a half boards. That's kind of a stat line I could see for him tonight. Uh, and I know that's really, really high, but I mean, we're talking about Nikola Jokic here. So, yeah. So, hey, the, the last thing I'm actually going to go do some more looking on this. I said that I didn't like the total, but in our conversation about how the Warriors have been on defense lately, I also pulled up how the Warriors have been doing offensively. And at home, they've actually been decent, except that game against the Clippers wasn't very good. That's what I was saying. They play uh, a oh, lot better, way, in, or- yeah, play like a lot better in Oracle. Right, 117, 114, uh, 126. And some of these aren't great defenses or anything, but I may check into that a little more. because like I the think- over? Yeah, because I think if Denver scores, you know, 115, if Golden State comes close to that, we're going well over this total. So I think that's something I'm going to look at again. Well, that's funny because I imagine with just looking at the line the way it is, I would imagine that the line is probably something like the implied totals are probably Golden State to score 115.25 or 115.75. And then it's like... um, 109 point or sorry 109.75 for denver and like 115.25 or something like that for golden state so it's probably very very similar to that it's, uh, uh that 115 115.5 for golden state and 109.5 for man yeah i wonder about denver's team total over that's two, what i'm thinking 9.5 man that's that's pretty freaking low pretty low so and i mean i let's just look into these game Another logs real quick see this is what you guys get with the breakdown you get live <laughs> yep. new angles. i got my second screen working now so i can do it even better yeah. than I was doing it looking before. at denver's game log they scored under 105 against boston which is okay well, who doesn't and they scored Exactly 105 against New Orleans. They scored under 105 against Utah. But mm. besides that, that those were all in the last couple of weeks. But besides that, before that, they hadn't scored under 105 since January 16th when it was against Utah again. So, right. I mean, they're a very good scoring team, especially when you look at Golden State giving up at least 110 in the last four games. Yep. Uh, that's, that's I think it's worth a look for sure. Definitely is. Oh. All right, man. Well, that was uh, a lot of work. I appreciate you putting it in. And man, I love just talking through these games with you. It helps me get clarity on things. So hey, me too, man. Listen, I'm probably going to take the Raptors now. Um, and... <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Don't do it because of me, man. No, because seriously, no, because of out. what we've talked. No, it, it's not just, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Don't pat yourself on the back. Oh, too I'm much. not. No, I'm okay. not. I know. I'm just saying, but like the numbers without Anthony Edwards are very concerning for Minnesota. Yeah. And, and. I mean, it, it even if Carl Anthony Towns is a big game, if it's just him, I don't necessarily know how much I like that as much now. So yeah. I, I like getting different angles uh, on this kind of stream, and I really do like talking over this game with you. Doing it yeah. once a week is really fun for me. So uh, it's a lot of fun, man. Thanks yeah. for doing it. Uh, hit them quick with uh, where to find you, especially as you're putting stuff out during the day here. Yeah, we've uh, we've done this a couple times now. I'm just going to run yep. through them at Source Podcast 11 on Twitter, www.sourcepodcast.com. Um, the Source Podcast with Sam Hiller and Job Goddard, anywhere you can find podcasts. That's Apple Podcasts, that's Amazon Music, that's Spotify. And um, yeah, hit us in our DMs or in our email, uh, w, uh, um, the Source Podcast 11 at gmail.com if you got any questions or if you want to. Uh, contribute anything for our art for our website because we're looking for some more writers recently nice so uh yeah give them that little shout out across the streams awesome. i do these days um but that's any that's it all that's all from me man it's been a great time Sweet. being on here i love talking basketball with you i love going over the slate i love getting new angles new numbers 
it, I love it all. So yeah, man. next time you're available, hit me up. Let's do it again. We'll keep doing it. Yeah, Let's we'll keep, keep giving the people sure. what they want. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, and I'll just say real quick, the easy way to say it for me, at NBA Attack on Twitter. Hopefully you know that. Go go click in the bio and there's big links. Big Tasty. The- <laughs> big Tasty, that's right. There's some links to the YouTube channel, links to the to the podcast. And I would just say, if this is something that's that's good for you, if you would take like one minute and leave, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, um, subscribe to the YouTube channel. That just helps a lot and gives that uh, that push to keep going. It is a lot. We both have a ton of fun. Yeah, do that for us too. Yeah, do it. Do it for both. Exactly. Take two minutes. Two and go minutes do it for both. <laughs> so what's two minutes? I'll exactly. do twenty seconds. Exactly. Hey, I appreciate you all tuning in. Look forward to interacting on Twitter. Have a great day, and we'll see you again soon.